So we talk about this all the time, but I don't know if you've noticed that 2020's been, uh, it's been a strange year. It seems like two days ago that we, several of us stood on this stage and did a message called 2020 Vision. Remember that? And we talked about discipline and what 2020 was bringing and we were going to go get them and then COVID arrives and went, an e-break on everybody's life. And we've been reeling and figuring this thing out ever since. I kind of feel like our church is in, if, it, if we were a, a TV series, we're in season three. Season one was we were in the school. Season two was our, in the building up till COVID. And now post-COVID church is season three. So we don't know how it's going to end, right? We're still writing this thing. But I think God has much, much good. Um, but because of what we've been through, I know many of you watching, many of you in this room, you feel burned out. Your gas tank is empty. You uh, might be like me and you find yourself with a short fuse because the st- underlying stress. I've repented to my family <laughs> more in the last couple months than I've had to for a while. It's just, ah, and I don't do very good with feelings to start with. So they come out sometimes that way. But some of you might be old enough to remember the show Candid Camera. Anybody remember that show? You're dating yourself, but good job. I remember it as a, as a little, little boy. And uh, there, if you're not familiar with that show, there was the show Punked that came out. Same concept, where a camera would, a, a, a hidden camera would would follow the events of somebody playing a practical joke on somebody until the point they got to anger or they were ready to deck somebody. They would say, smile, you're on candid camera, or they would say, you got punked. Um, I'm waiting for somebody to jump out and tell us that we got punked this year and this has all been a practical joke. Unfortunately, we know that's not true. The truth is, we've been punked by the evil one. He is sowing his disunity and discord in our world like we've haven't seen it. I definitely haven't experienced it like this. So we need to know how to be aware of his schemes, be aware of his lies, and combat that with the truth about who Jesus is and the gospel and the good news for everyone. We're concluding a series today in the series that we've been doing, the I Am series. And we're doing the, the I, I think somebody's Siri. <laughs> Come on now. You should have seen first service, boy. You're okay. We're doing the I Am Siri, um, I Am series. And it's the seven I Am statements of, of Jesus in the Gospel of John. Where Jesus is declaring he's Yahweh. The God that spoke to Moses in the burning bush, I am that I am, Jesus is declaring that. And that's who became flesh for for us and became one of us and lived and overcame temptation, took sin and nailed it to the cross, defeated death, defeated the evil one on our behalf. He's the I am. And I think today when we talk about him being the vine and we're the branches, uh, is kind of a culmination of all of his I amness in, in one statement and how we live in this I amness, this flow of who he is. I've been reading about quantum physics lately, and, and no, I'm not a nerd or a scientist, 
it's theologically seeing the connection that scientists know that there is a, a invisible force within the, the cosmos and the universe that holds all things together, holds all things together. We know who, that, who does that. It's Jesus. He's the sustainer of all things. He's the creator and sustainer of all things. He's the one that holds it together. So when we're thinking about him in his I amness and in, in us being connected to him, that's who we have to have in mind the word of God that that creates and sustains. I love John 15, one of my favorite uh, chapters in the Bible. John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 are all take place in the upper room. It's intimate with the disciples. And he, he tells them, he says in verse one, I am a true sprouting vine, and the farmer who tends the vine is my father. He's the vine, the Father is the gardener. He goes on and he says, So you must remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to me. Catch that. Jesus is the vine. I've been to a vineyard before. I don't know if you've ever been to one or not, but you see the vine, and then you see the branch connected to it, and the branch is what produces the grapes. It produces the fruit. So the, the, the vine itself becomes the life source for the branch. If it's disconnected, it has no life. It has uh, no nutrients, no water to, to make it grow. That's how Jesus wants us to see him. He is the life source. And then we're the branches. He said, you're my branches. And the branches need the vine to produce fruit. And then you have the father who's the gardener who wants us to produce fruit to his glory. He wants to produce spiritual fruit in our lives. He wants to produce inner spiritual fruit of the fruits of the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. I saw some of you mouthing along with me. Good job on your scripture memory there. But that fruit, and, and we have to look at our life and say, is there joy? Is there patience? Is there peace? And if not, we're, we might be living a little off, you know, not, not understanding what that relationship is with Jesus. And he wants us to produce outward fruit, fruits of, of good works, good deeds, um, acts of faith, steps of faith. You know, I was thinking about this. All of us watching or in this room, we're all the byproduct of somebody's spiritual fruit. Somebody's poured into your life, whether it was your parents, your spouse, a friend, whoever has poured into your life and you're, the re- you're part of the result of their spiritual fruit, outward spiritual fruit. So what I wanna talk about this morning is, is Jesus is the branch, Jesus is the vine, we're the branches. How do we stay connected? The language of John 15 is interesting, but I really want the tired and the weary to listen up and to tune in and to put into practice what Jesus says to do and watch what he'll do in spite of COVID, in spite of the stress, in spite of whatever, you can live in that powerful life that he promises. So the first thing I would say in, in keeping that connection vital is I need to ask the right questions. 
need to ask the right question. Using Jesus' language about the branch that's connected to me, am I connected to the vine? Have you come into agreement with Jesus that he is who he says he is and that you are who he says you are? Because in all of Jesus' I am statements, they're the answer to the I am nots that have been spoken over our life since we were little. Maybe even recently someone told you you weren't capable, you weren't lovable, you, um, you know, you're not worthy. Whatever those statements are, his I amness is the response to that. But, but it is a life of faith. And faith is not feelings. We're all guilty of trying to muster up feelings in our relationship with God spiritually. Now, are there feelings and emotions in our walk? Yeah, at times. But the longer I walk with Jesus, the more I realize this is just more about trust and confidence in who he says he is and watching how he works. The, the, the emotions are great when they come, but if we don't live, our faith is not built on that. I remember when I was in the ninth grade, and I called, uh, after watching a Billy Graham sermon, I called the, the, the counseling hotline. And I said, I, I prayed the prayer to be born again. And I, I prayed, but I didn't feel anything. I don't feel born again. I don't feel different. And the person was like, oh, this is going to be fun, I'm sure, trying to help this little ninth grader who's hysterical on the other end, because I thought that's what it was about. And I bet a lot of people think that's what it's about. But somehow your walk is going to be about feelings. Your feelings lie to you. Our emotions lie to us. It's about trust and confidence. It's not about religion. It's not about duty. It's, not a, it, it, it's only about our union with Jesus. Jesus says, he cares for the branches connected to me. I am the sprouting vine and you are my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. There's no amount of pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps, trying harder, uh, God, I'll do better, etc. Is not it's going to leave us powerless. He says, when you understand your union with me, that's when, that's when you'll have power. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus says. Every time I come up to speak on a Sunday or anywhere where I'm preaching, I always remind myself, Jesus, apart from you, I can do nothing, but I can do all things through you who give me strength. And I recognize that. We need to do that in everyday life. Second question to ask is, is am I bearing spiritual fruit? It's, it's the Father's desire and goal that we bear spiritual fruit. Is my life bearing the fruits of the Spirit? And is my life bearing fruit outwardly that's benefiting and helping others? Not works, fruit. And that fruit is a byproduct of our union with Jesus. If you're in, in, in right relationship and your understanding of who he is, your life's going to be fruitful. And you're going to have joy and peace and people will see in the middle of chaos that you're you're connected to Christ. They'd be like, what's your secret, man? I want to know what you have. How are you able to live in, in such joy? Jesus says, he cares for the branches connected to me by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches and pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. The words I have spoken over you have already cleansed you. That's a little uh, agricultural 
thing Jesus is teaching us here about vineyards and, and, and raising grapes, and I'll get into that, but soon as winter's over, spring comes. And if you own a home or you have a lawn or anything like that, you do a little spring cleaning. You get rid of the residue from winter. You, you clean it up. You trim things. You pull weeds, etc. because you get ready for a new season. Well, that's what, that's what Jesus is kind of showing us in this, is that either if your life is fruitless, the Father is going to make you fruitful. If your life is fruitful, he's going to make you more fruitful. That's, that's what this is about right here. Some of your translations say that, that the, the, the gardener cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit. That's not a great translation. It literally in Greek means to lift up because what he's saying is if a branch is on the, the dirt in the ground, they lift it up, brush off all the dirt, all the junk, all the gunk, tie it back up so that it can be fruitful. And that's, that's the word picture that Jesus is, is given us and, and the disciples. So let's talk about those two things. He lifts up the fruitless. If our lives do not, consistently don't bear fruit, the Father, out of his love, is going to intervene into my life and into yours so that we become fruitful. He is a good God. He is a good Father. And so whatever he does is always out of that perfect fatherness that he alone possesses. And if a good father, um, you know, disciplines their children, how much more perfectly does our father, you know, discipline us? He does discipline in love. And we're told in Hebrew that that's a good thing, that, that, that he disciplines us. And I would say this to any parents in here that when, when you ever have to correct and discipline your children, don't ever do it out of retribution and anger because the father never disciplines out of retribution and anger. He is correcting and training. The proper goal of discipline is to train and correct, not pay back and get mad and, and all that. That's not what the father's like. Jesus showed us that already, what the father's like. So it's important that we, as parents, that you don't react in anger to your children, and that you ask the Father to teach you how to correct and train your children. But the gardener lifts up, and he gets the, the dust and stuff. That represents sinful attitudes, sinful behaviors that don't line up with who we are in Jesus Christ. And the Father loves us enough to intervene. Now, here's the, the, the part that... that we forget a lot, is that God has, he's given us room to judge ourselves, to judge our own behaviors, to judge our own attitudes. But if we don't do that, eventually he's going to show up and help us out in that. And he uses any way he wants to use in order to cause us to walk in the way of Jesus. And so, He's going to correct that kind of behavior. And then repentance is such a beautiful word. It just means to change your mind. It's to get our minds in line with who he is and who he says we are. And we're all I'm imperfect. I'm so imperfect at understanding this. and I'm fully aware of it. But I'm also aware of this ability to be able to say, no, that behavior is wrong, Scott. That doesn't line up with who you are in Christ. And that's, the, that's relationship that begins to happen. In my marriage, when I blow it towards Janelle and I'm, 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 I, 
you know, say a cross word or whatever, I, I, in a relationship, I have to stop and say, I'm sorry, sweetheart, for talking to you that way. Will you forgive me? That's what relationship is. And we have that with the Father. But then he, he says he prunes the fruitful. Let's talk about that. When your life bears fruit, spiritual fruit, he's going to prune it, your life, so that you bear more fruit. Now, I think like bushes and flowers and, and, and trees that get pruned, they kind of look funny. They kind of look like a dog with the cone of shame on. And everybody's, you know, the dog's looking at you like he knows he looks like an idiot. But um, and so I think if bushes had, had feelings, I don't believe that, but like they just low, like, I look kind of stupid right now. I get it. But that to say that pruning is painful. Pruning is, is painful. It, it's, we all go through seasons of pruning. I know for me personally, when we moved into this building, I went through a huge pruning in my leadership, how I was going to lead. And it was, it was not fun. It was not pain. It was not, it was painful. But I'm glad it happened, looking back on it. Our church got pruned. And I think COVID has been the big old shears of pruning of all of our lives. Pruning the church, pruning people's attitudes, catching myself complaining, like I told my core group, please help me not. You know, hold me accountable, complaining too much about circumstances I have no control over. But, but God, in James chapter 1 says, consider it pure joy when you go through trials and struggles. Because as you persevere, it'll produce perseverance that will increase your faith. That's what pruning does. And God uses that in our lives. The, the third question to ask is, am I staying connected to the vine? Am I doing my part? Sometimes we get this idea that walking with Jesus, he just does everything and we just get to, it's not how it works. He's called us to participate in his world and in our relationship with him. There's a participation just as in any relationship. It's not, it's a, it's not just, a, it's something that we both have to come to agreement with. And in this relationship with Jesus, he never goes anywhere. The, the, the vine never, never pulls away from us. He's always there. It's always us who get disillusioned about things and have to come back to understanding that connection. And it's a relationship. So are, am I doing my part in this connection, in this relationship? And I think sometimes, like, Jesus is never separated from his creation, but in our minds, we can begin to, to disconnect. We can disconnect in a way that is subtle and slow. And I think there's some, some signs of spiritual uh, disconnection. Drifting, we can drift. If you're trying to cross a river in a canoe, you have to put the work in and paddle across. If you're gonna, otherwise, you just catch the current and, and drift. You can't drift in your relationship with Jesus because the, 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 the other currents will take you take you with it. He wants us to walk with him. We all know people who at some point in their life seem to have a vibrant walk with Christ to only now be extremely apathetic, neutral, or maybe even deny it. We've all know people that have been through that. Karl Marx, interesting, the father of Marxism, as when he was younger, you can go Google this, he, uh, he was a Christian, 
He even wrote about Jesus and the gospel. He actually said, only Jesus can save us. But we know later in life, he was the one who coined the phrase, religion is the opiate of the people, the opiate of the masses. He went the other direction. It's a slow, subtle fade. So here's some things that you can look for in your life that you might be in this little subtle disconnecting in your mind and in, in the relationship. We stop fellowshipping. I mean, church is about fellowship. It's about connection. It's about doing life with other people who follow Jesus. And when we stop fellowshipping, that, that's a sign. We stop praying. When you stop talking to God, when you stop reading the scriptures, when you stop sharing your faith, when we stop serving, we stop giving, and all of a sudden, we're drifting. The evil one has, through COVID, has tried to disconnect and disunify the body. Not just novation, but all around. And he's wreaking havoc. And, and we need to not let that happen. We need to, to stay connected in these things. And, and, and I really think it's, it comes down to sometimes, too, letting Jesus set the pace for your life. So we get out ahead of Jesus sometimes. We have a little dog named Daisy, and I have an extreme love-hate relationship with this little creature because um, she's the sweetest little dog and, and, and can be submissive, but she's stubborn as well. So... Um, I used to take her on walks quite a bit, but she started driving me nuts, so I stopped taking her on walks, because what she would do is she would, as soon as we were out the door, and dog people stop looking at me like that way, like you dog lovers, I, I feel the eyes on me, so let it go. I'm, I'm working through it. But she would take the leash and get it all the way stretched out, and she was just pulling me the whole way. She was going to set the pace, and she was driving me crazy. And, and then all of a sudden, about 10 minutes into that, her tongue's hanging out, and, and she's, she's now letting me set the pace. I think some of us, you're the dog with the tongue hanging out. You're setting the pace for your life rather than Jesus. I know I, I can easily get caught into that. And we need to let him, the one who said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy, come to me, and you'll find rest. Let him set the pace. I think a, a sign of of, of spiritual disconnection is the things like fellowship, prayer, serving, giving used to be a joy. Now they're just a burden. They're just a, something that we check off our list. And when we're trying to live apart from him, we find ourselves powerless. So we got to ask the right questions. And then secondly, I believe I need to actively maintain a vital relationship with him. And I've touched that on that. There's a little overlap. But your union, union doesn't guarantee communion. Communion meaning our intimacy with him and growing in our relationship. We're, un, we're in union with Jesus. But any relationship needs effort by both. Here's the good news in our relationship with Jesus. He's perfect. He's not going anywhere. So he's got to, he, he, and he accepts us as we are, imperfect, as is. And then he works in, in us that way. We're the ones always trying to pull away. So one of the things, classically, that, um, do you like how I use that word, classically? Um, spiritual disciplines. 
Spiritual disciplines, the D word, right? Discipline, we all hate that word. But a dis- discipline is simply re- replacing a bad habit with a good habit. That's what discipline is. And so the spiritual disciplines, they are done with the goal of intimacy with Jesus. That's the goal, is to, to have an intimate relation, vital relationship with him. That when life hits, something happens, we know we're okay because we're with him. Something I've been doing a lot this year is, like, for example, if I'm worrying, I'll stop and I'll say, Jesus, are you worried? I hear him giggle and go, yeah, uh, I don't get worried. (laughs) I created all things and I sustain all things and I sustain you. Good. Uh, Jesus, are you afraid? Ha, ha, ha. I even said this once to him, Jesus, are you stressed? Because I was really stressed. Are you stressed? Because my, my point in all that is the I am lives inside of me. And so whatever he is and his disposition and attitude toward things, they're mine. They're yours. So you don't have to live ruled by emotions, ruled by fear. He's not afraid, then let's don't be afraid. He's, he's, he's not worried, let's don't be worried. That comes from this vital maintaining a relationship with him. So how do we do these disciplines that help us to do that? First of all, I would say consistently read his word. The scriptures show us Jesus. In particularly, Colossians 3.16, Paul says, let the message of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the gospel dwell in you richly. I would encourage you to live in the gospels live in the New Testament, read, read the New Testament, read the epistles, read Paul's understanding of the gospel that Jesus gave him. And when you read the Old Testament, look for Jesus. That's, that's how you, when you read the word and let his word dwell in us. Because how many know parts of the Bible don't make a whole lot of sense? And you read it and go, what? How does that think about Jesus? Because it, it always, how would Jesus interpret the scripture? How would he in, interpret you know, those things that seem strange? Secondly, pray. Prayer is a gift, a lifeline of communication with the Lord. And I've noticed that for some people, prayer is so easy for them, but they don't read the scriptures much. For me, I love to be in the scriptures. Praying, I need other people with me sometimes, or I need some sort of something to kind of follow because I easily can get a little spiritual ADD and be praying and thinking about the Broncos game or what I had for dinner and all of a sudden, and so I need some sort of structure when it comes to prayer. For some of you, don't. It just flows really naturally. For those of you that are a little more wired like me, something that's been helpful in in my walk is I have a, a spiral notebook that I keep with my Bible and my colored pencils <laughs> because I have colored pencils that I highlight my Bible when I read it. And... I, I will write out a prayer, and I'll just, Father, comma, and I begin to just write out a prayer, and I don't go longer than one sheet, one side of the paper, and then I turn around, and I take that sheet of paper, and I pray it out loud again to the Father, only to see the Spirit inspiring more things to pray about and, and keeping me focused, so if that's you, I highly encourage uh, to practice that exercise. It's been very helpful for me. But you can read the Psalms. The Psalms are people praying to God and being, being real with God. The third thing I think 
helps us maintain a vital relationship with Jesus is do what he says to do. (laughs) He said, if you love me, you'll obey me. If you love me, you'll do what I say to do. And we show, if we love him, we're showing when we do what he says to do that we really believe he's good and that he really knows what's best. Parents, teach your kids from the youngest age possible that God is good and that he has your best interest at heart no matter what. And so if God tells us to do something or to not do something, it's purely out of his heart of love. He's protecting us. He's caring for us. Don't just give parents a pat answer, well, the Bible says so, or it's because God says so. Give some reason. And we have the best reason in the world. God is love. So son or daughter, God says to do this or not to do it because he loves you, and I love you, and and I want to do the same in in doing what he says to do. Listen to this passage. I, I love what Jesus says, this first sentence. He says, I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. Wow. Let's stop there for a second. How much does the Father love the Son? This eternal relationship. God is first and foremost an eternal relationship between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This community, this family, this relationship. And it's perfect, other-centered love. And he says, I love you with the same love that the Father loves me. Guys, don't let that just go over your head and go, oh, that's great. That's a game changer. That's life-changing, life-exchanging hope that we're loved with the same love that the Father has for Jesus. We're in that relationship. If you're down, if you're depressed, think about that. That's the most important thing about us. Jesus says, you must continually let my love nourish your hearts. If you keep my commands... You will live in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands, for I continually live nourished and empowered by his love. That's so good. Jesus modeled that relationship, this, the Father being his life source and his humanity. He always lived in this understanding of the Father and his relationship with the Father. And then, uh, fourthly, stay connected to your church family. If you want to maintain a a vital relationship, we need one another. I know some people hate that idea because you've been hurt by people at church. You've been hurt by Christians. You've been hurt by church. And I'm sorry. That's why around here we always say we're imperfect people following the perfect Savior. He's the perfect one who is perfecting us. And so that means we come with flaws. We come with different personalities and backgrounds and experiences, and we butt heads sometimes or rub each other wrong. But God set it up in such a way that we need one another. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 says, do not forsake fellowshipping or coming meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. He says, as we see the day nearing the day of Jesus returning. He says, don't don't forsake that. We were wired for one another. Church is not first and foremost about meeting with God. We have him 24-7. It's about meeting with one another. It's about practicing 
the one another's. In the New Testament, there's 30 to 40 one another's where you're, we're to love one another, pray for one another, care for one another, be hospitable to one another, and so on. So we gotta be in together to practice the one another's, right? But the elephant in the room is this thing called COVID. The very thing that we need, we're afraid of. And we have to continue to, with, with common sense and wisdom, still meet together and come together. I was so impressed with our home groups during COVID, especially in the beginning, even recently. But when COVID hit and we were all on Zoom calls or whatever they're called, and, and, and still home groups were meeting together, meeting each other's needs, raising money for one another when they, someone had a need, and just staying in touch. I realized at that moment that when I stood up here before my church family and said, Novation is a church built on a community, that it really was. That was fired me up. So let's don't retreat away from community and friendship and relationships. Let's press on. Let's press on because we're going to need each other more than ever as things still get crazier and crazier. We'll still have each other. We don't want any branch disconnected from the vine. He's the body. We are his members. We need one another. Don't pull back in this area. Breaks my heart. Now, if somebody is genuinely... In, in uh, scared of COVID, or if somebody is, you know, at health risk, I get it. No shame. There's no COVID shaming at Novation. Let's don't ever do that. Don't shame somebody who is stay, choosing to stay home for whatever reason. That is their choice. That is their choice, and we support it because we love one another, and that's what Jesus would do in the middle of this. But if you have to stay home, let us love you from a distance. Let us serve you from a distance. Let's make phone calls to one another and continue home groups to, to meet together in, in core groups. All of that is so, so vital. I'm fired up about it. And we need to be. Because we've been lulled to sleep by the evil one in, in disunifying and, and getting people disillusioned. And so there's no shame in what you feel about what's, what's going on here. I, I, that is ir irrelevant to me. Is I know this, we need one another. Whatever that looks like, let's do it. And then lastly, we're going to go into communion. Um, exercise your faith. If you want to maintain that vital relationship, exercise your faith. Jesus said, you didn't choose me, but I've chosen and commissioned you to go into the world to bear fruit. And your fruit will last because whatever you ask of my Father for my sake, he will give it to you. When you and I step out in faith, we're a little afraid. There's a little cliff that we're gonna step out and do something by faith. It grows our relationship because it's growing our dependence upon him. And that's part of it. The more we're dependent upon him, the more closer we recognize him. Dependence grows and nurtures our relationships. Every time you give generously, every time you serve, every time you share Jesus, you're stepping out in faith and you're nurturing your relationship. Last year, we all prayed about a word that was going to define 2020, 
don't know if you guys did that with us or not, but um, whoever got misery, then we need to speak, but I'm kidding. But I remember my word. My word was faithful, and faithfulness was about ministry and church and the calling that God had on my life. I think about it every time I'm irritated. I think about it every time I'm like, ah, COVID church has sucked for pastors. I'm just being real. Because we don't know the end game and what this all looks like and have vision and think about the future and what what ground can we take. God said, be faithful. I told you to be faithful. I, I got this. So be praying about a word that's going to define next year. I already have mine. I already have mine for next year. He's already put it on my heart and a scripture to go with it. But as we have a fruitful life, we, Jesus says that the reward of that is complete joy. That's in verse 11 of chapter 15. Complete joy. So I would say this. Come into agreement with Jesus, that he's the vine, you're the branch. He's the Lord and Savior. You come into agreement with him on who he says he is and who he says you are. Live in that love. Do what he says to do. Even people who might be watching that don't believe in Jesus. Jesus actually tells you in the Gospel of John that if you don't believe in me, believe in what I say, practice what I say, then you'll come to know I am who I am. (laughs) He gave that clause there. Just do what he says to do. You don't need feelings or any of that. We're gonna take communion together. So if you didn't get communion, raise your hand and we'll we'll get it to you. Those of you at home, if you get your, your bread and your juice or Mountain Dew or whatever you're doing this morning. We're doing juice. And Bradley, our AV director, coined a phrase um, that weird church, social distancing with masks, blah, blah, blah. Weird church is better than no church. And I give him a wholehearted amen. Then we got our communion. We thought, how are we going to do communion? We found these things. These, 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 we don't come up and our beautiful loaves of bread that we had and our gluten-free for our gluten-free friends and the juice all that. I was special. And I think some, something felt a little robbed in me as, as someone who would lead communion. And then Bradley said, weird communion's better than no communion. And I agree. I'm going to open up your, this one's missing bread. Thankfully, I have one in my pocket. I really do. thought I did. Magic trick. It wouldn't be service if something didn't go wrong. Here we go. I got one. Thank you, brother. But I have my mask. (laughs) Sorry, I'm in a little fired up today. But the most important thing as we take this today, we're agreeing with Jesus and who he is. That's faith. That's all faith is, is Jesus, you are who you say you are. And I believe it. 
all those statements, I'm the bread of life, I'm the light of the world, I'm the resurrection and the life, right here. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus broke bread with his disciples. He lifted the bread to heaven and he blessed it. He said, take and eat. This represents my body that's broken for you. Let's take it together. Anybody know if you're going to speak after that cracker, you need some water. <laughs> In the same way, after supper, Jesus took a cup of wine and he lifted it to heaven. He blessed it and he told his disciples that this cup represents the new covenant. The sacrifice to end all sacrifices. He killed sin, he defeated death, and he defeated the works of the enemy on the cross. That's what we're remembering today. The new covenant. The Holy Spirit poured out upon us. The eternal covenant between the Father and the Son in eternity past, fulfilled in Jesus and what he did. Let's take the cup. We stand with me. We're going to, or if you're on the comfort of your couch, you can stay seated. But if we're going to sing, I am who you say I am. What a fitting song to conclude not only the message today, but the series that we've been in. So let's sing this as a declaration before we head out of here. Who am I that the highest king would welcome me I was lost but he brought me and oh his love for me oh his love for me oh the sun sets free oh it's free and I'm a child of God yes I His grace unseen. While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me. Yes, He died for me. Who oh, the sun sets free, who oh, is free indeed. I'm a child. Child 
salt and light. Jesus is the light of the world. Whoever follows him will not, never walk in darkness. And he turned around and said, you're the light of the world because he lives in us. And so let's be good to people. Let's be good to one another. Let's show the good, good father that we love and know. And go from here today encouraged. And let's continue to press forward together. No more retreating in our walks, no more retreating in, in our relationships. Let's press forward 
in the grace and power that he provides. If you're in a relationship that's hurting, forgive, overlook, move forward. If your faith seems to be waning, press forward now more than ever. Listen for the Father's voice. And Jesus as I am in your heart. May God bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you, and forever give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen.